The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. All right, well, it's Sunday, uh, March the 15th, and uh, we've chosen to make some adjustments in how we are uh, broadcasting um, our services today due to the COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Um, and so just wanting to continue to shepherd and guide through this process, um, uh, also knowing that uh, I'm very uncomfortable with this setting. I've wrestled with doing a video um, for uh, several days now as we've been thinking about this weekend. And um, and part of it is for me is that I just love our gatherings. I love looking into the faces of my brothers and sisters. I, I love getting a chance to um, uh, to taste and see together that the Lord is good, to be an encouragement, to actually get a chance to um, uh, even put our arms around one another and to touch one another um, and, uh, and just realize that we're not in this alone because I really feel like that's a lot of what Baltimore needs is for us to feel like that... Um, that we're, we're not alone and that there are people that, that understand us, that love us, that even if they don't understand us, they're giving us a chance or an opportunity uh, to be known and to be heard. And, and I love the opportunities that we have when we gather to share hope, to share encouragement. Um, it almost like it's like it gives us a chance to breathe life into one another, especially for those of you that are listening to this, whether through the podcast or here on Facebook that live locally in Baltimore. Um, Baltimore um, has a reputation for a lot of reasons, but they're the, 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 the church uh, has played such a vital role in in just the, the, the life and the hope and the joy and the source of love and even making sense of suffering and hardship for one another. And so I feel like that's just being taken this weekend. It's like we, we're not in the room together and everything in my pastoring heart is like, I want us to be together. I want us to see one another. And I was even sharing with some of our uh, brothers and sisters that are here helping me put this video together and just greeting people at the door that didn't get the word about the changes is that, you know, even watching last night as several of the establishments in my neighborhood were just packed full of people. And I'm thinking we as a church need to be setting an example of what it looks like to care for people that are at risk. And so I've entitled this teaching um, today um, at risk. And really, what is the church to do in a moment when so many people are at risk? Um, you know, this isn't um, an unusual Thing. God is not surprised that there is a global pandemic. It's not like he's leading the church and speaking as our father to his children now to give us guidance in a situation that he's never had to do before. Um, Paul even was encouraging a young minister named Timothy during a global struggle in the first century. Rome was the virus. Rome was the global power, the global problem. And Rome was killing people by the thousands every year and was taxing people and, and, and causing poverty to so many, but yet in allowing so few to, to excel. And in the midst of this struggle, he said something very powerful to Timothy. And I believe it's, it's great words for us. And I've shaped the talk today around this verse. And in First in Timothy, he actually says this to Timothy. Young Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, 
Because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So let me just break this down into the simple chunks um, right now. It's like, because I believe these words are wise. I believe these words are going to help us. Um, so the first thing is he says, watch your life. And then he goes on to says, watch your doctrine. One of the translations of the scriptures actually puts it this way. Watch what you are teaching. And then he goes on to say, what does it look like for this sweet fruit of perseverance to, to grow on you? Like to, for this, this, the, the purpose of our perseverance is a way for you and I to step into a world of suffering like today, or even when others are suffering and we are not. Like what does perseverance look like? Um, and Paul was telling him it's, it's important because the people that are watching you and the people that are hearing you because of your perseverance in life and ministry are going to believe. And so let me, let, me, let me start with this keeping watch over our life for a moment because there's a practical component of this that's very necessary for us as a church since we're not able to gather together and we're having to use media, we're having to use our app and other things to communicate and to stay in touch with one another because nothing is gonna be worse than if somebody is in our family and they're in distress or they're in trouble and because we're not meeting or staying connected, um, they, they suffer harm that they don't need to suffer. And so when Paul is saying to him, watch over to your life, I really do believe that he is truly wanting them to take a self-evaluation. And these next couple of days, maybe even these next couple of weeks, are going to be a great opportunity for you and I to have a lot of, quote, in the mirror moments where we're looking into a mirror of our life and seeing, like, what is the pressure and the frustrations and the fears of everything happening around us causing to come out of me? Is it a fruit like perseverance that's going to be helpful to other people? Or is there anger and rage and frustration and bitterness welling up in us? And so the first practical thing in this is that, man, I need us as a church to download the app. So if you're listening to this online um, and for some reason you have an app phobia, then you can still use email. Um, you can email us at gethelp at gcbdowntown.com. That's gethelp at gcbdowntown.com in order to tell us, like, are you sick? Do you need help? Are you at risk and you can't get to the store? Whatever it might be, you might even just be gripped in fear and need pastoring, shepherding care. And you, please use that. So in the app, you can go to the more tab there's a letter about the coronavirus and our church's response. There's a page or a, or just below that in the app is a place that says Deacon Contact. You can scroll through that and you can get to the place where it says Get Help and you can just click on that and it'll put you in touch with people that can help. But the other thing is, is that there are some of us in here that need to realize that we can also give help during this time. And so you can, we can go to that same deacon page and, and click the give help button and then you will immediately be in touch with our deacons that are already being taxed in their service and saying, I'm available to help. Like, what do we need to do? Do we need to get food to someone? Do I need to go and try to track medicine down for somebody? Do I need to, to in some ways, provide extra care? Where Our deacons are researching ways that we can help get food to children over these next two weeks. Our deacons are looking for ways that we can stay plugged into our most at risk. And if you want to be available to them, you can click on give help and they would be happy to do this. 
And the other thing that I just need us to be focused on is that a lot of you give when we gather and we're not going to be gathering, so I don't, we, don't, we, we have to continue to give so that we have the ability to continue to do the good things that God's asked us to do. So I just want to ask you to maintain your giving. That might mean that you might have to, rather than holding on to your resources to the next time we can gather, is that you mail in your resource. But you also can give through the app. You can go on and you can do that electronically. You can go to your bank and set us up as a direct payment and it's important that we do this because we only have a certain amount of resources that we are able to, quote, have in savings and reserve. And if this pandemic um, comes at us, like is potential, we're going to, we'll, we'll burn through what we have as quickly if we're living the life that God wants us to live and we're being obedient to our response. So I do want to encourage you, if you are giving, maintain it. If you can give more, would you consider praying through that um, and just asking the Holy Spirit to guide you? Um, and so that's all I'm going to say about that giving. But I also want us to be looking at who is close to us, like who at your workplace is at risk? Who is at risk where you live, the building you live in, the block that you're on, um, wherever geographically you live, like who is at risk? Who's at risk where you walk your dog? Who's at risk where you're going to the gym or your normal flow of life right now? Open our eyes. Lord, help me to see who is at risk. Who's in my life that is at risk? It could be a parent. It could be a grandparent. It could be a child. We have children in our church with asthma. We have children in our church with other health-related issues and families that are locked into their condos or their apartments or their row homes right now because they don't want their children to be at risk. So who are the people that we're in relationship with that's around us that we have to make sure that we're watching over them? So we're watching over our life. Where are we socially distancing ourselves for the sake of others, but at the same time, who is in my arm's reach that God wants me not to be, to isolate them, to keep them at a distance. Part of the faith that we have, part of this belief in Jesus Christ is, is that in times of darkness and despair, there can be hope. Part of the faith that you and I carry and that we are looking at is that, is that what, what is bringing life? What, is, what, is, what, is, what, what purpose and plan could God be using this virus in our community for good? And so for us right now, when we're evaluating our life, we must be thinking about others. Uh, we must, especially for those of us, I mean, the majority of our church is young and healthy and has a lot of vibrancy and stamina and can withstand the common cold that can withstand flu and all of that. But there are others around us that aren't. And what do I need to be seeing in my life right now that is going to help shape the image of God? One other practical step that I really want us as a church to take in regards to our life in this next couple of weeks is be careful what you're binge watching. Let's not use this as a time to catch up on every episode of our favorite series or watch all the Marvel movies in one week or whatever it is that you might be tempted to do. I have a feeling that most of you, if you look around the room that you're watching this on right now, 
is you're going to see a book lying on a desk or on a bookshelf that you either purchase because you thought that it would help you, but you've never read. It might even still be dusty. Or somebody may have, out of love, given you a book and said, I read this and I thought of you. I want to bless you with this book. And you've never picked it up. In our life right now, could we, rather than isolating ourselves and just being glued to a television or a computer screen, could we pick up a resource that could turn out to be a great blessing to our soul? Um, and so let me just encourage you guys to do that. And the other thing, Gallery family, is I want us to stay on top of our Lent resources. Um, this Lent season that we're on, it's, it's vital that we realize that when we are in our normal nature, it is to be opposite of God. But Lent is drawing us to the truth that because of Christ, we can be a part with him. We can be one with him. We can, we can be a part of him, not a part from him, a part with him. And we can be one with him. And this Lent journey is designed for us to detox ourselves, to, to almost Sabbath. And like this virus is forcing on us a Sabbath rest. It's, it's like if you go back and look at the Old Testament and look at the laws that the Jewish people had around the Sabbath, they weren't allowed to walk outside, take a lot of steps. They weren't allowed to shop and to, to go do things like that. They weren't, they, it was just a forced, I'm not working, I'm not producing, I'm not. And so maybe some of us in looking at our life are going to be benefited by this because of the sake of those at risk. We are saying to ourselves, God, I need to slow myself down. I need to recalibrate. What is it that you're wanting to do in me and what is it that you're doing through me? And so that's just a brief life. I mean, there's so much more that we can say. And next week, whether it's through video or through us being able to gather, which we're gonna take it week by week, we're gonna get back into the Gospel of John, which the whole series that we're in, starting with back at chapter eight, is going to be about us finding life and so maybe this fourth Sabbath in us looking and evaluating our life is going to help us be prepared for what it is that John is going to be continuing to write that can be a great encouragement to us. So now let me talk to you about what does it mean to, to evaluate our doctrine? What, is, what, is, what does our doctrine reveal? And another way of saying is what, what does looking at our words about God reveal about what is truly in our hearts? What, what, what is truly being revealed in our minds? Like when this virus was in the, in the pandemic has become so powerful on the world and is forcing so many changes and people in business and work and uh, major sports and the schooling, I mean, everybody is being affected in life-changing ways. How do we talk about God? What are the things you're finding yourself saying to other people, saying to yourself, saying to your family, your best friends? What is it like right now when people are saying things to you? And a lot of people are going to use these days around us to say that God isn't good or that he's not doing enough. Um, and so how do I know that? Is Well, number one, I've been asked those questions. Um, some of you have even asked me, questions about how can God be good and this be happening and all this kind of stuff. And the second reason is, is that anytime something major has happened in the world, you can go read history and people were constantly saying, where is God and why isn't he doing something else about this? And, and so these are real questions and people are going to ask you, like, what is going to come out of your mouth when people say, well, don't you believe in God? And so I believe that it's really important that we let this virus show us 
what it is that we truly believe about God. Because if you um, received the letter, which I'm gathering by the number of people that didn't show up at the building today, that the letter got out um, in a broad way to our church family here in Baltimore and even beyond. And in that letter, um, I referenced an Old Testament passage that really shaped me. Like if you've been around our church, even some of you that are watching, um, I even seen some of the names that have come up. Uh, man, I miss you. Some of you haven't seen in 20, 25 years and you were students in my care and the Lord was working in my life. And I came across this passage and it's the only place in the Bible where it's framed with remember and then a thought and then never forget this. It's the only time in the Bible that it's framed that way. And when I, when I began to look at that, I started looking at how many times in the Bible it said to remember or not, or, or not to forget. And, and it led me on this journey of realizing we have a forgetting problem. And if you've been with us for a long time, you know that I say that quite frequently. And I want to say the name of Jesus more than I say we have a forgetting problem. But I think sometimes I'm lopsided to the fact that I have a forgetting problem that I should be talking more about Jesus, right? And so this passage was what birthed that journey in me as a minister. And the whole premise of the passage, well, let me read it for you. It's found in Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19. And it says this, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. So here, let me go back. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey. And listen to this. And they attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. And when the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land he's giving you to possess as an inheritance, you shall blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget is how it ends. You can read more about this epic story in the, in the life of Israel in Exodus chapter 17. The passage talks more about exactly what was happening leading up to this moment when the Amalekites were watching from a distance and they saw this group lagging behind and attacked. But in Exodus 17, it doesn't say that they attacked those lagging behind right away. And I love how Moses, in writing this letter to the nation of Israel as they were getting ready to go into the promised land, in the very end of the letter was reminding them of this and reminding them of a very important detail. Because when the enemy was watching, the nation of Israel had just received holy water from a rock. They were tired. They were in the desert. They were carrying all of their possessions on their backs and on the animals around them. They weren't just trying to walk through the desert. They were they were, they were whatever the equivalent of a U-Haul was in that day and time. They had latched onto it and they were moving all of their family from the oldest in their family group to the youngest in their family group in every possession. If you go back, they even were giving gifts when they were leaving Egypt that weren't theirs, that the people of Egypt were giving to them. So they were loaded down with everything that they had in their life and they were trying to move on this journey through the mountainous desert, not the flat desert, but the mountainous dry desert from Egypt on their way through Sinai into the promised land. And so they had just received this water. Some of them obviously were excited. Like, look, I know we're weary. I know we're tired. We got to keep moving ahead. We got to keep going. We got to keep moving. And so you find here is that these people were moving, but they weren't paying attention to themselves as a community. And that's the thing I love about this passage because so much of our life, is that we generally are making decisions 
based upon what is best for me, even though we have a community understanding. And so the people that were lagging behind in this situation would have been whom? Like, who would have lagged behind in a rocky, mountainous, desert terrain after God had done a miraculous sign and everybody was excited that God was with them? Um, and as they're moving towards their promise, who would have not been able to keep up in the desert? And now, obviously, some of you um, right now that are listening to this are realizing that you can't talk to me and I'm asking a question and it's really not rhetorical. I really want to hear you. But if I hear you, like I imagine I would, I am guessing that you're going to say the people that would lag behind are the elderly. The people that were lagging behind were the sick. The people that were lagging behind were the single moms with multiple kids whose husband had died in Egypt. The people that would have been lagging behind would have been grandmothers that were raising their grandchildren. People that would have been lagging behind would have been people walking with children with asthma. The people that have been lagging behind would have been with their relatives with physical limitations. That would have been lagging behind. Oh, sure, it wasn't the majority. Like, the majority was fine. The majority was moving and was accomplishing the path that they were headed towards. They had their goal. Like, they, they were fixed on the promise of God. He had, a, he had been doing powerful things. He had promised a powerful and prosperous land, and they were walking in the path that God had set out for them, and they were going to go, but they weren't concerned about the pace that they were setting and so now, this smaller group of people that wasn't in the majority, a smaller group of people was lagging behind. And the enemy was watching. They were watching from wherever their elevated place was, hiding, knowing that they, had, that they, that they wanted to do evil. They wanted to harm. They wanted to, to, to in, impose something bad upon this group of people. And what I found is, is that they didn't attack the healthy they didn't attack the strong. They didn't attack those that could carry their possessions and, their, and, and all that they owned. They attacked those that were lagging behind. And I believe that we as a church need to constantly keep that. The majority of us can move at a faster pace than the people that are at risk. And the church has to always be concerned about those that are at risk and those that are weak. Uh, I have a pastor friend He's really a dear brother. He's about the same age as me, uh, probably younger. His name is Daniel Grothy, pastors out in Colorado. He recently said this, and I, and I love what he said, abundance with holy restriction. Abundance with holy restrictions. Think about this. The children of Israel, when they were fed in the wilderness, the manna from heaven, were they allowed to go out and get all the manna that they wanted, even though it was plenty sitting around on the ground? No, they had their daily allotment. Like, go get, like, it wasn't like it was bundled up for them. Here's a bag of food for your day. Here, this is God's blessings for you. It was out in abundance around them, but they were asked to steward it by going and only get what they need and take back. And so here's this abundance, but it had a holy restriction on it. And then I think about the Lord's prayer. Like, the Lord didn't pray, Lord, give me all that I need for my life. He's like, he's like not saying, come and just, I'm going to give it all to you right now. Take it, hoard it, go get all your toilet paper for three months and just hold on to it. Like, he's like, no, go get what you need. Um, and the Lord's prayer is modeled after us going and getting what we need. 
and not living in the abundance. Yes, we can choose abundance. Actually, it's probably better. My wife is a lot smarter at this stuff than I am. You guys might enjoy me being your pastor, but everything that's good that comes out of my mouth is generally given from the Lord to my wife and then my wife to me. And one of the things that she has said to my family and to our kids that I've been blessed by is that she's taken what what Pastor Daniel said about this abundance of holy restriction, abundance with holy restriction, and made it this, said it this way. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. That means I have access to abundance, but I have a holy obligation to to honor what God has asked of me to restrict myself for. And so what I mean by that is, is like right now the people are at risk, um, might not have what they need because people that have abundance went and took up more than their share. And, And it's like... We're, we're now imposing upon somebody something that is causing them to hurt or be at more harm. And, I, and as a church, we can't fall into that. We've got to trust the Lord for our daily bread and not store up so much that we think, well, I can't give that away because if this lasts for two to three months, I want to be able to see in my fridge or in my pantry or in my bank account that I have everything that I need to make sure that I'm taken care of when somebody outside of our door is at risk and they are in need. I just, I feel like there's so many teachings and so many things that I could go to, but I don't want to do this. Um, So how do we think about what it is that God wants us to do in and through this because there are people around us that are vulnerable. There are people around us that are susceptible to the virus and even susceptible to other forms of evil in our city right now that I don't want to um, drown out just because the virus is pressing against us and we only go help people that are struggling with the virus when there are people that have other very real needs. But where should, here's my question, where should the people that have lagged behind that became victims of the violence of the Amalekites, where should they have been? And when you think about this, look, they're on a path, they're moving through the desert, climbing mountains, they're heading in a direction where they feel like God is sending them to a promise that he's given them, but they've allowed a group of people to lag behind. The evil watching went after the weak, went after the vulnerable. Where should that group of people have been the entire time? And if I could hear you through this, broadcast, I would know that you're saying to me, they should have been right in the middle. They should have people all around them. I mean, could we not learn from the movie, The March of the Penguins, that it's important that we take the people that are on the outside and rotate them to the middle so that they can be protected and be able to fight against the things that are coming and and the battles that are raging against the weak and those in harm. Like the people that are the most at risk should be in the middle of us. So that means some of us that can walk fast need to fight the urge to walk fast and say, I'm gonna choose to walk slow because I wanna protect you. I want to be close to you when danger and evil find you because if I move too quickly past you, then I have a feeling that the evil is going to wait. They, the, the evil is going to know that I'm far enough away that they can come get you and leave before I ever could get there to rescue or to be a part of that. So what is the virus doing? I think the virus is telling us to evaluate our life and our ministry. I think the virus is reminding us to slow down and to take time to make sure that we're evaluating the fruits of God's spirit. What is it that God is asking of us to do? What does it look like for me to put the armor of God on every day and be ready for that day to be a good steward of everything that God has given me in light of the fact that I am not in a, it's only about me. 
I can't just live my life right now only about me because if I do and I bump into a homeless man on the sidewalk and I transfer a virus to him that could be life-changing for this man, I believe that God wants us to be a good steward of this virus and love people in the best ways that we possibly can. And that is us being fully aware of those people that are around us. And I've already said this. And so let me encourage us in this. We have to excel at love. We have to excel in our faith. We have to excel in our hope. But, but Paul put a special emphasis to the church in Corinth with everything they were facing. Like, look, you have a lot of abundance. Put some restrictions on it. Excel at love. Don't just be considering yourself. And so when Paul was telling Timothy, let me go back to Timothy now. Paul was telling him, what does this perseverance have to do with what Rome was doing at that time? And what does perseverance have to say to us right now as we face this pandemic? Um, I believe that one of the beautiful passages is out of 1 John 4 in verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So I believe that this is a time for us to grow in our full maturity of what it really means to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to feel the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what did John, who witnessed Jesus's life, have to say about this? Well, John in his gospel and Matthew in his gospel write about these sermons that Jesus gave. And one of the most powerful ones too is in Matthew 25 when he's talking about the fact when you've done it for the least, and if I can... um, put my own translation on that just for right now. When you do it for the at risk, you're doing it to me. And so when I think about that, I just can't, I I have a better chance of not fearing facing God in the future, like this judgment that he was talking about, that that fear can subside because of the way that I'm learning to love today. The word I'm learning to love God more effectively, like more like more with my heart, more with my mind, more with my soul, and more with my strength. And in the process of doing that, I'm learning to love you, love to love others around me with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and all of my strength. And so I'm actually going to have less fear of God. I'm going to have less fear of others because I am excelling at love. And John is saying, look, there that when we learn about the love that he had just spent his entire letter to the early church talking about, he says, when you experience this love, it's going to push out all fear. Actually, a great word for this expel is like exercising it, like, ex- like an exorcism. Like it's going to literally say, get fear, get out. That's what this love does for us. And so John, John knows that this love is a healer of fear. And so right now, one of the best things we can do as a church is to show love so that it expels fear from other people. It's not just that, well, I'm not in fear. I'm fine. It's like, no, we have a community responsibility and the way I live and the way that I love is gonna cast fear out. And we need to be a part of that as a part of our church. And so here's the benefit that Paul says to Timothy. When you watch over your life and you watch over your words about God, your doctrine, your teachings about God, it's not only going to um, be a great evaluation step for you, it means that the people that hear you and that, that then entail see you are going to believe in this great love of Jesus Christ that is for us. And so our hearers are going to hear. Could you imagine? Let me just, let me stop that question. I can't imagine the joy in your face the next time we get together 
when you walk up to me and there's two, maybe one, two, three, four, five people that you say, Ellis, Pastor Ellis, I can't wait. Can I introduce you to three of my friends that heard? While we were secluded and socially distancing ourselves, I had access to these three people. And because of that, they, they believe, they've heard, and they now trust in Christ because of me making sure that they were aware of this great love of God and, we were in, and I was in a protective relationship. Could you imagine if this pandemic forced you and I to actually be the laborers or the harvesters that Jesus said, I, I, I pray for laborers because the field is ready, but there's not many workers. Like we now have the opportunity to wake up to the fact that we're the workers that, that, that Jesus said that we needed to pray for. And like, what imagine if we all hit the field right now and we were loving in this great, powerful way. Couldn't imagine what could happen. And so here's the, here's the thing. And so these are words that might be good for you, but they also might need to just roll off your tongue. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy us. I, I want us to rest on that. Actually, Pastor Scott from the Foundry last weekend, so you can podcast it, he did a fantastic job of talking about this point, and I want to bring it back up here. But Jesus is the only one who can satisfy us. So in this pandemic, in the changes that are being forced globally, whatever you're trying to use to fill the cup, it will not be filled with whatever it is you're trying to put it in there unless it is you and Jesus. If you're trying to grow in your understanding of him, you're trying to grow in your love for him and the, and the ways that in which um, you can become more and more aware of his great love for you and what that then means. Um, I believe that, well, even right now, I think a lot of you are in homes. You're probably gathered in your house or you might be with somebody else in another home. I've heard that some of our growth communities are meeting together this morning, which is a blessing. Grateful that they're together. Um, give each other an elbow or a foot smack for me. Um, I'd love to be with you. But if you're in a place, is it possible for you just to go put your hands on a loaf of bread and bring it back to your computer, wherever you're watching this? And just and if, if you or others around, you can just hold us a, a loaf and then grab a cup, you know, a juice, a glass of wine, whatever it is that you have around you that, that represents the blood of Christ and just hold it. Don't do anything else with it. Just hold it. Because that is the image of love and sacrifice and the purpose of suffering is a body broken and for us and blood that was poured out for the remission of our sins, the forgiveness of our sins. And, and we can just hold on to that bread and to that cup. And just if we're right now in this moment, on this March 15th Sunday, in the midst of this pandemic, we can just say, Jesus, 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 I want more of you. I want to understand you. I want to understand what this bread and this cup represent. This is your body broken for a person who was at risk. I was at risk, and yet Jesus loved us. Only Jesus can completely fill us. No run to the store is going to fill us. No isolation is going to fill us. No vacation or whatever is going to fill us. Only Jesus Christ can do that. So let me end by just saying this. May I pray for you? This is really awkward. I am not used to this, not used to being on video. I'm not used to praying through video. But you might be by yourself. You might be with others. 
But could you just change your posture for a moment to a praying posture? Some of you, that might mean you're just bowing your head. Some of you might literally get down on your knees. Uh, some of you might just go face a window in the condo where you are and just look out over the city um, and just join me in praying. But here's my prayer. Let me pray this. Father in heaven, first, I want to just thank you for letting me be your son. And I desire to spread the good news of your great love. I want, the, I want to be faithful to you, and I want the people that you've entrusted me to be faithful to you. You know I don't feel comfortable in this setting with this video stuff, but I know that it's been forced on me, and I want to be a good steward of it. Father in heaven, would you allow the beauty of your love to be seen? Would you allow the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be felt? Would you allow the presence of Christ to be felt in our city and each home where everybody's gathered right now? Would you allow people to feel your warm embrace that cannot transmit any diseases or viruses? Your love, your arms around us can be felt. And Lord, I pray that people right now that are limiting their touch would not be limited by feeling that, they're, that you are not touching them. Lord, let your love be around them. Encourage them. Let them feel that today, Father. Father, would you help us to know that you're good? Would you help us to know how to speak of your goodness? Would they also, Lord, the people that are listening, would they also be affirmed that you're in control? Would they also have the courage to watch their life closely right now, to evaluate what they're saying and what they're doing? Evaluate, Lord, the things that are coming, what they're doing when they're coming into contact with people. Lord, let us live with our eyes open. We want to bring faith. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters bring faith, they bring hope, and they bring love into these next few weeks. And would you be with those that are at risk amongst us? Father, show us how to slow down and surround them and protect them. Show us how to guard them. Give us wisdom with understanding. We pray this in Jesus. Show us what sacrifice looks like in Jesus and help us to live that sacrifice out on behalf of others around us. And Father, I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I just want to thank you for letting me hang out with you in this way today in this space, allowing me to share my thoughts with you. And, and as you stop watching this video, um, like a benediction, your gallery family is probably chuckling right now, thinking, oh, he's even going to do a benediction. But here's my benediction. May you live the life that our Father in heaven desires for you to live this week. And may you speak and live out the truth of our Father's great love. And may God's grace and peace be with you. Thank you.